Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have Dr. Marianne Brandon on the show. 
And Dr. Brandon is a clinical psychologist, author, and certified sex therapist with over 20 years of experience helping adults create more satisfying, intimate relationships. And Dr. Brandon was one of the therapists that joined us on our special podcast series, Love Under Quarantine. So just an extra shout out to her for contributing her time to that special series we created. And you can check out that series of the links in the show notes and on our, on our website. And today we talk about common sexual challenges people face in their relationships that include desire discrepancy, low libido, awkward, difficult moments <laughs> in the bedroom. And she really gives us some great tools that we haven't specifically gone over necessarily in past episodes. Obviously, we've had a lot of episodes about sex in relationships because it's important and we're at 250 plus episodes. Yeah. And uh, I felt that this one gave me some new tools and new oh, yeah. ways to, to look at sex in relationships. Yes, she gave us very actionable tools for you to implement in your relationship. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in, for sharing the podcast with your friends and family, for subscribing, for visiting our website and checking out all the free resources we have for you guys, like our 14-day Happy Couple Challenge and our online course, Spark My Relationship. And we hope you guys enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dr. Brandon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about common sexual challenges that couples might be facing. And we thought a good place to start would be probably... A big one, I would imagine. Maybe you can tell us if it's the biggest one you encounter, but that is desire discrepancy. Absolutely. Is that the biggest one you d you encounter? Yes, absolutely. Obviously, it, it it's going to be pretty common as far as the people you're working with. What are the biggest issues when it comes to that and how do you help couples navigate it? You know, well, first of all, let me say, I love that we're talking about this because it's so common. In fact, most couples are challenged with desire discrepancy at some point in their relationship, if not the course of their relationship. And when you think about it, it just makes sense that everybody has a sort of different libido. It doesn't make anyone right or wrong, but it does mean that there are going to be times when couples don't really sink on their expectation of what the right amount of sex is. Um, so so as sex therapists, we tend to tell people like this is normal. This isn't a dysfunction. So that's point number one. And I like to really highlight that fact because so often we get the impression from social media that everybody else has got their sex life all figured out. And that's really not the case. This is really such a typical situation. Um, so, yeah, that's point one. 
And, you know, it can happen for, uh, in terms of people's individual libidos can also vary um, higher or lower based on so many different aspects of their life. So another piece of this puzzle I tell my clients is that if it affects you in some way, it can affect your sex drive. And that means if it affects your mood or your stress level in any way, if it affects your body, like a medication you're taking or a medical issue you're struggling with, that can trickle down into your libido. If your relationship is strained in one way or another, that can affect your libido as well. So, you know, everything can find its way into the bedroom, unfortunately, and that makes things that much more complicated. For sure. Mm -hmm. And how can a partner bring up the conversation about the desire discrepancy? Let's say it's probably going to be the one that wants to have sex more and it's frustrating them personally and they want to bring it to the attention of their partner. A lot of times that's probably not done in a productive way, I imagine. So how can they bring up that conversation in a way that's not blaming or going to hurt the feelings of the other partner? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, it's true that people are worried about having these kinds of conversations, so they avoid having them. People don't want to hurt their partner. I mean, they, or they're embarrassed to ask for more. And so as the conversation gets delayed, more and more anxiety can accumulate for the person who wants to talk. And that can mean that it'll sort of come out in not a real helpful way after just because of so much buildup over time. So you want to kind of get in front of the conversation and you would, I would encourage you to think not so much about having a conversation just about desire discrepancy, but you want to have an ongoing dialogue about sex with your partner. So your focus isn't going to be necessarily this one issue, but more, you know, how can we both get more for ourselves in our intimate relationship? How can we share more? Um, how can we uh, become more intimate over time? So thinking about it in terms of an ongoing dialogue and not focused on just one issue would be the first thing I would suggest. And then I would also suggest that um, the person bring it up to their partner as um, a, a suggestion for a conversation and asking when's a good time. So another problem basically is that people will bring it up when they feel ready and their partner is totally taken off guard. Like their partner was just about to, you know, watch their favorite show or have dinner or whatever. And um, it's help, it, it helps people when they can kind of plan a little bit. Now, sometimes warning about a conversation can make people more anxious. So you also want to be sensitive to that. Your goal is to make things more calm, not more anxiety producing. So saying like, you know what, I'd love to have a conversation about our intimate life. It's been a long time since we talked about it. When's a good time for you? And, you know, if you present that in a calm way, your partner's likely to hear it much better than if you're uptight and your voice is strained, um, they're going to feel that tension and then get anxious about it. But engaging them in a sort of a mutual agreed upon time can be super helpful. Um, and then you want to approach any conversation about sex um, from saying, like, let's talk about this from both our perspectives and what 
would you like to try? What do you need? What feels like it could be tweaked between the two of us? Um, and the, the attitude is, you know, you both are going to bring stuff up and have a conversation about it. It's not just about one person complaining. So in the past for Chase and I, there has, and I'll speak for myself in, in this situation, there's always been an underlying issue that results or has affected our sexual discrepancy. And for example, like I've been upset with Chase for doing something. And so the last thing I think about is wanting to have sex with him when I'm upset. And I'm sure yeah. that that's common in all relationships and can lead to an increased discrepancy. Mm-hmm. So how can an individual think about this and say, what is really going on? Like, why am I not attracted or why is there something going on with my partner that's not wanting me to have sex with them so they can target that bigger issue that's causing the sexual issues in their relationship? So are you asking how can a person sort of understand that on their own before engaging in a dialogue? Yeah, because maybe like in the past when Chase has been stressed out with work and it's affected me, it's made me feel like I'm not connected with him and that results in wanting to have not have intimacy. So but it I need to be able to understand that I need to tell Chase that it's because when he's stressed, it stresses me and it stresses our relationship versus me not just wanting to have sex with him. It's just, it's those other elements that are causing the issue. So, you know, interestingly enough, I often encourage my clients, even before they have clarity, to engage their partner in a dialogue. Um, Because oftentimes people kind of take the responsibility for understanding or change on themselves. Um, And if they approach it with their partner as a team, like, you know what, I have this question. I'm really not clear about it. Can we talk about it? And if the couple's able to kind of like stay calm and breathe and stay connected, it might be helpful to touch each other, hold hands or something like that. They might be able to approach it from a perspective of fairness and, um, take the burden off one person for figuring it out. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And, you know, another thing I rely on so much with my clients is I encourage them to journal. There's just really very little, um, in my opinion, better way to get to know ourselves than to write about ourselves or to write about our concerns. And somehow putting pen to paper seems even more productive than typing on a computer screen um, or even chatting with a friend. So writing down what feels really true, not being afraid to write things that sound scary, but rather just putting things on paper and then feeling what feels true after you've kind of started a dialogue with yourself. So I find that to be the most efficient way to understand yourself if you are trying to work through some of this on your own first. I love that first tip. Both of them are great, but of doing it as a team, I think a lot of times we talk about all different issues on this show and it's like we have to figure them out on our own and kind of bring it to the relationship. And there's certainly, we have to do our own work, but I think that's a great exercise to be like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this, not to project onto your partner all the time, but it's a valuable exercise. I haven't really heard 
a guest say it, and maybe it's just the way you said it, or it just caught me on this day of that being um, a good tool to, to work through things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it is really the case that oftentimes in our relationships, it's so easy to get caught up in our own perspective and our own side and carry the burden because that's the mind we have access to. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the feedback we're constantly getting is whatever our brain is telling us, our ego. So it can be helpful if you have your heart open to say to your partner, I'm confused and approach it from that perspective of two detectives trying to figure it out together. So we got both detectives are trying to figure it out. (laughs) What are some of the practical tools that you help couples with, with Uh a discrepancy and desire? And maybe like you said, if there's underlying issues, that's important, but what if it's just a libido thing and that's just kind of the way it is? Yes. So, so first of all, I think point one is I help everyone develop compassion for where their partner's at, because it's a really uncomfortable thing to have sex if you don't want to. And it's an uncomfortable thing to not have sex if you do want to. And we make meaning out of our partner's approach. So if our partner um, doesn't want the same amount of sex as we do. We start to think, are they having an affair? Am I not attractive anymore? Do they not love me? It gets very dramatic really fast. And if our uh, partner wants more sex than we want, it can be very anxiety provoking. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm not, I'm not capable of meeting their needs. They're going to have an affair, etc. So these common issues can become really monumental if they're not discussed. So that's one thing is kind of like get a sense of of where your partner's at with compassion, if that's possible. But then I start to talk through some basics about sex that can be helpful for people to understand that we don't really have a dialogue about so much in our culture. And one is, well, why do you want sex in the first place? And oftentimes the lower desire partner has kind of lost touch with that. At the beginning of a relationship, there's oftentimes a natural desire and you don't really have to think about why you want sex. Your body just kind of wants that. Now that doesn't happen for everyone, but it does happen frequently. But as a relationship ages and that that immediate pull is not there so much, then sometimes it's helpful to kind of think through, well, what's the point? Why is this good for me? And I often, to simplify this question, I'll kind of categorize it. Some people like sex because it feels good physically. And then we can we can talk about this here, but you know, I break down what that might mean. How can you get a better sense of how to make this feel better physically. Some people find sex most compelling because of the connection with our partner and the way we give and receive love. And then we break that down. Well, how can we amplify that experience for you? And some people have a desire for that electric passion sort of stuff. Um, And that's a little more complicated oftentimes for couples to create if, if they're not in that space, because it does involve the relationship more generally, not just the relationship in the bedroom, but we can break that down and talk about you know, how to, how to help create that together. Now, the first 
comment everyone says when I talk like this is they say, well, I want all of them and <laughs> get it. You know, that's fair. But, you know, it's also helpful to kind of start a roadmap and pick one point and work that for a while and then add, you know, the next goal. So that's that's one place I start. And let me name a couple others and then you can tell me what piece of this you want to explore if, if so. But another piece of the puzzle that's super important for everyone is that we are embodied. We're in our bodies. And it's so, so easy for us to get stuck in our heads these days. We're always thinking and planning and organizing and analyzing. We're on the computer. We're running around like chickens with our heads cut off. We're not in our bodies. We're not in a relaxed place feeling our sensual selves. And that's common for most people. And the problem is it's really hard to then connect to your body, you know, at 10 o'clock on a Friday night when you've spent the last five days in a very different headspace. So what that means is we all, even people with higher desire, are benefited by slowing down and inhabiting their bodies and tuning into their bodies. And I say higher desire because what happens for people, even if their sex drive is high, they might still be in their heads. And while they enjoy sex, their partner might feel like sex has become robotic because their partner can feel that their lover isn't in their body. So this can be the case for all of us. It kind of doesn't matter your libido, but the more embodied you, you are, the more connected you really will be to your desire. So that's another important piece of the puzzle. And then finally, let me say these are, you know, we could talk about 50 different components here, but I'm just trying to hit some of the more common challenges I see with my clients. Another one is that, you know, there's a piece of sex that is kind of primal. We're, we're, we're still, we're primates, we're mammals, and there's an animalistic piece to this. So while we are evolved mammals and, you know, we have higher order thinking and more complex and nuanced emotions, our bodies are still in it too. And so sometimes what people's bodies want isn't what they want to want, meaning desire from a physical perspective isn't always politically correct. It's not always convenient. And that means that people become conflicted. What may turn them on, what erotica they might like to read or what porn they're drawn to or what their fantasies are may be very different from what they think is appropriate. And that can immobilize people. Then it's just really difficult to put all the pieces of their desire puzzle together. And one solution to that is just to check out completely, which people will do. So it's there's sort of a process of at least developing compassion for yourself with what your body wants and recognizing that the body marches to its own drummer. Like we don't tell our bodies what dessert to want. We may wish we want fruit, but our body may want cake and that's the deal. That's how it goes. We negotiate that, but we can't tell the body want fruit and the body changes its mind. And sex is like that too. So there's a conflict that's inherent in desire for a whole lot of people. And that's often worth sorting out if not within themselves and with the partner. So those are highlights of some of the things I start talking about. <laughs> sex is so complicated, but these are places I tend to start because there's such common challenges. It is complicated. And I have a question about 
one of the more complicated things <laughs> that you mentioned, and that is passion is being one of the things that people might describe that they want in their yeah. sex. And you, you mentioned how it's the broader relationship and early on in a relationship, it seems to be there more easily. Maybe you can talk about why that is and how in a longer term relationship, we can cultivate more passion. But before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Objective Wellness. Staying healthy and strong is more important than ever. And for me, it's all about understanding what you put in and on your body and staying active in the ocean, getting plenty of vitamin D that's easy down here in Costa Rica. And to help us stay resilient and well, we started taking supplements from Objective Wellness. Objective Wellness offers targeted solutions for you to stay healthy and strong. So they focus on specific ways to help you sleep better, improve your immune system, have more energy, and even less wrinkles. And when I heard that, it immediately grabbed my attention. And what else drew me to their products is that Objective Wellness understands that there's no one-size-fits-all solution and that wellness looks different for everyone. Even between Chase and I, wellness looks different. So when I told him that he can eat some chocolate and sleep better, he was sold. <laughs> that sounds a little too good to be true. And their fast asleep saffron sleep chocolates are a real thing. And <laughs> yes, it has, they are. It <laughs> has a calming GABA that relaxes your mind to lull you to sleep while the saffron keeps you sound asleep all night. And I love these things. And there's no water required. Delicious chocolate mints simply melt away so you're not waking for a bathroom break in the middle of the night. Yes, that is a major win. We don't have to get up in the middle of the night. And all their ingredients are backed by science. And behind each ingredient, there is a scientific study with endless hours of research. So objective wellness helps us feel our best and we want them to help you too. Go to objectivewellness.com and use the promo code I do to get 20% off your first order. And if you're not completely satisfied, you can get a full refund. That is their objective promise. Again, visit objectivewellness.com and use the promo code I do for 20% off. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products discussed or advertised are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. We've been telling you guys about BetterHelp and online therapy for a while now, and we love working with BetterHelp. And now more than ever feels like a time that we need to talk to someone. And the uncertainty with everything going on in the world can just add a lot of stress. And even before this time, Sarah and I were seeing an online therapist through BetterHelp and individually and as a couple and just found a ton of benefits. And now it's really showing its benefit. BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can communicate with your therapist via text, chat, phone, and video. And you can choose from over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in relationships, depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, and many more areas. And of course, anything you share is confidential. And if you're not happy with your counselor, 
for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash I do. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash I do for 10% off your first month. Absolutely. And you know what? That's probably the most common question I hear from couples or um, just people in general is what about that? Because it is more naturally in, uh, available to people at the beginning of a relationship. So the way I understand our sexuality um, as human beings is, like I spoke about earlier, we've got that primal component that's animalistic. That's the passion piece. It sort of takes over and kind of uh, drives us. Um, and then there's the more evolved lovemaking. That's what we do when our heart is open and super connected. And there's the, you know, just sort of more cognitive and physical space of sex as well. But the primal piece is what's naturally inherent at the beginning of relationship and kind of evaporates with time. And that's because the way I understand it, at least, is that primal component is what mother nature makes sure all mammals have so that we procreate. It's a piece of, of sexuality for all mammals, apes and dogs and rats. There's this drive for sex. And from a, um, a perspective of gender, there tends to be um, a masculine uh, approach of directing and being a little more bold and a feminine approach of being more open and responsive and receptive. So there is this biological piece that makes sex happen. So the way this works in the primate, in the world, in the mammal world is the female mammal of whichever kind um, alerts the male that she's fertile or receptive to sex. And that might be scent, it might be posture, but female mammals will sort of like wave the green light. And then male mammals tend to then follow through and uh, make this sex take place. And so when she alerts when the female alerts the male she's ready, that triggers the male to want sex. And when the male approaches the female from that place of sort of like like assertive connection, that that triggers her to want. So this is just one piece of sex. It's not all of sex, but it is the primal piece. It's the mam mammalian piece. So what that means is there's like a power component in mammal sex that's very, it's very driven. It pushes people to connect. So helping couples play with that recipe can amp up passion. So this is the logic behind the 50 shades of gray phenomenon. It's the logic behind erotica and it's the logic behind porn. It's just that um, it's difficult sometimes for us to look at because it's, it's really what I'm saying isn't politically correct. And it's not necessarily what, how we want sex to be. So our mind 
has opinions about it, but the body still does what it wants. So that's this conflict. So when couples want to bring this into the bedroom, that often means uh, I'm encouraging the, the, the member of the couple that uh, resonates more with female sexual energy. That could be a man or a woman, but whoever resonates more with the feminine sexual energy, at least even in that moment, that person can flirt or indicate some receptivity. And then the member of the couple that resonates more with masculine in that moment, and couples can change roles. That's really important. That's really important. But who's ever resonating in that masculine energy in the moment, then sort of like brings some boldness and assertiveness into this situation and injects some energy to allow sex to unfold. Now, the way this, the way this, what supports this kind of power dynamic in the bedroom, there are also pieces of this outside of the bedroom that are um, important. And there's a certain risk in this. There's a certain mystery. And so part of the component of supporting this in the bedroom is allowing some space in the relationship, which is exactly what was there at the beginning of the relationship. So at the beginning of the relationship, there's some risk. There's some awareness that we don't know our partner completely, that that there's a certain unknown to this whole dynamic. And that element is important too to support this passion. So it's a little bit complicated. I hope that I hope that I've made this clear to some degree at least, but it's bringing back those elements that were inherent in the relationship in the beginning and then allowing for some experience of tension in the bedroom. And that tension often comes through like a power dynamic. How about that? (laughs) Did I confuse you both? (laughs) No, it's actually very clear. No, I I love that example. Can you you give a specific example of how to play with that? Yeah. So first of all, I would suggest that both partners... We'll want to talk about this first if this isn't something that they tend to do, because what's going to happen is whoever takes the role of the flirt who kind of initiates the seduction, they're going to feel really vulnerable if their partner isn't in on this and willing to do their part. Or the person that takes the role of kind of making sex happen is also going to feel really vulnerable because the more assertive you are in the bedroom, the more you risk you know, being embarrassed or, um, you know, rejection. So there's a lot of risk in this dynamic for both partners. And that's one significant reason why couples don't do this. So you both want to agree that you want to play in this way. And you then, I would suggest agree on who's going to take what role. And then the partner that's taking the seduction role then uses their body or their eyes to flirt in some really kind of basic way. Try to be provocative and try not to use words because what we're doing here is engaging a physical energy, not a cognitive energy. And if you move seductively or have your eat your dinner seductively, make eye contact that's really intense, these are triggers for primal reactions. So these just sort of have an inherent um, 
place that they land in, in your partner's body that engages them sexually. So the person who's taking the seductive role, use your body, use your eyes. You can use the tone of your voice, but try not to just rely on things like, okay, do you want to have sex now? <laughs> that's not going to trigger anything. So that's their role. And then the role of the assertive partner is when you see your partner engaged in this seduction, you want to show your desire. You want to let yourself feel what's being triggered within you. And then you want to show it and act on it. That means make eye contact back. Let your lust show on your face. Allow, again, this feels vulnerable for people, but allow that um, reaction to be evident. And in this way, the two of you can play off each other. And so the person that's in the more assertive role in that moment then sort of like make sex happen, whatever that means, lead your partner into the bedroom. It doesn't mean dominate, okay? This doesn't mean like ignore your partner's needs. This just means bring the energy and the seductive partner is agreeing to kind of like follow that flow. And in that way, there's a certain tension, but there's also a safety because the two of you have talked about it already. And you try to let your bodies do the talking. So try to get out of your minds, both of you, get into your body, tune into the sensation in your body and follow that. So it's going to be really important that nobody's in a critique mode. Like, how do I look? How do they look? Are they doing something stupid? Like none of that. There's no room for that. This is really about just bodies communicating. So it's it feels vulnerable. That amps up desire. Vulnerability makes people um, feel more excitement. So, you, you know, you want to have a safe space to be vulnerable and to try things new. And you have to tolerate a level of tension and intensity. So what can happen when couples try this out, especially at the beginning, like their first few times, that intensity will make them anxious. They'll see this lust in their partner's eyes and they'll, it's, that's intense. And they might laugh or smile or giggle. That ruins the whole thing. So what you have to do is be able to stay in that intensity even if it makes you uncomfortable. Remember that discomfort is part of vulnerability, which can amp up desire. So being prepared for that, but you know, you make a commitment to your partner, you two are going to do this. You're going to go to a different place sexually and you're going to hold, you're going to hold the space for your partner's energy around this. So, you know, you may want to smile, but don't. You may want to giggle, notice it in yourself, get back in your body. So that's kind of the process. This is great homework for our listeners. Definitely, you've laid some groundwork to create more passion in the bedroom. So thank you for that. Let's talk about a, another set of issues that can happen in the bedroom, and that would be difficult moments. And I'm thinking maybe... Obviously, erectile dysfunction being one or one partner not orgasming. Um, and then maybe there's some others that you find in your practice. Can you talk a little bit about how we can deal with those? Yeah. And you know what? This is a really great question as well, because what happens in those moments is they happen for everybody. Bad sex happens. That's just a part of life. And when they happen, what 
is a kind of a natural reaction is we regress, meaning we kind of like uh, fault uh, that that level of discomfort in a vulnerable situation, which is what happens when sex goes in the wrong direction, um, leads us to feel young. So I will ask my clients like, well, how old do you feel in that situation? When you lose your erection, when you um, feel like, uh, when you when you have an orgasm too quickly or when you lose your interest in engaging, oftentimes people will say, yeah, I feel like 12 years old. I feel like nine years old. Like it's very easy when we feel stressed and challenged to regress. So point one is you kind of want to recognize that that happens. When one person regresses, then the other one does too. And now we've got two adolescents trying to have an adult sexual relationship. So recognizing that it's really important to stay in your body and stay who you are, stay your age um, is point one. And then the next suggestion I would have is for the two of you in one of your conversations about sex to talk about what your worries are. What are your biggest worries? And then agree upon a plan together. And this is this is really within the wheelhouse of everybody. If you're concerned about losing your erection, what can your agreed upon plan be? Well, you don't want to disconnect when that happens. You don't want to get upset, roll over, walk out of the room. You want to maintain your contact. Some couples will develop a plan like we'll use a sex toy when that happens. We'll, we'll still have oral sex when that happens or whatever is comfortable for them. But they develop an agreed upon plan, which really takes the pressure off. Uh, the couple and the person. So when the worst case scenario happens, which it will, you know what you're going to do and you know, you just follow through with it. And that's probably the most um, efficient way to deal with those concerns, recognizing that they're common and a couple agreeing upon their approach for it. I know you mentioned that these types of bad situations will happen in a relationship, but what if they happen more than the couple would like them to? And then it becomes a bit of a dark cloud over their sex life. How do they work through that to not let that become a bigger issue than what it is? So if they were in my office, what I would want to do is have a better sense of what's really unfolding there in the bedroom. If it happens repeatedly, where my mind would go is, one, is there a physiological issue here that needs to be addressed? Does someone, does he have low testosterone? Is there a medication that's interfering with sexual response? That sort of stuff. So is chronic pain you know, real and a part of the relationship such that it shows up in sexual situations. So I would want to sort out why this is so repetitive. So thinking in terms of the body, because sex is so mind-body, and then thinking in terms of the relationship and people's individual psychology, what might be happening? Is it performance anxiety? Is there a level of anxiety that's really gotten out of hand for one person? And um, I would ad- address that. So if it feels like it's it's happening um, so much that it's really interfering with a couple's sexual relationship, I would send them back to the beginning of this podcast to sort of sort through like the basics of what could be unfolding. And if they're confused, then that would be a great time to talk to a sex therapist or a therapist, because sometimes, you know, for all of us, it's hard to see 
our own challenges. It really benefits us to have external eyes and thoughts on the situation. Well, Dr. Brandon, you've given us some great stuff today, and I know our listeners will definitely appreciate it. Is there anything that we skipped over or maybe something you want to emphasize before we wrap up and say goodbye? Well, gosh, you know what? There really isn't except to say that, you know, intimate relationships are complicated. Sex is complicated and life itself is super challenging for all of us. And it's really easy for whatever's happening in in our lives to trickle down into the bedroom. Most people are just doing their best. And uh, it's really hard oftentimes to sort out um, what really the pieces of this puzzle are. So I think what I'm trying to say is folks are not alone. These kinds of concerns are so common. And, um, you know, approaching them, if you can, from a team perspective with your partner is a really sort of gentle way to start to unpack what's happening for you. Well, thank you so much for ending us on that optimistic note. I think it's very important for people to hear they're not alone in these types of tough situations. So thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about you and how they can reach out to you? Sure. So my website is probably the best place to go just because uh, my social media, all of that um, is linked to it. So that's drbrandon.net. So there's no period after doctor, d-r-b-r-a-n-d-o-n.net. Wonderful. We'll have the link to your website uh, on our show notes and on our website at idpodcast.com. And thank you again for joining us for today's show. Thank you, Sarah and Chase. It was my pleasure. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. We encourage you guys to join the tribe and be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you were listening to a pleasure podcast For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.